0: Our words of scripture this morning come from 1 John chapter 1. And these are powerful words. These are words of an eyewitness, someone who knew and loved and worked alongside Jesus. And as you hear these words, keep that in mind because they are the heart of what these verses say. That which was from the beginning so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from all sin. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Would you be in prayer with me for our pastor? Lord, these words are so strong and so much that we need to hear not just today but all days you have brought light you have been the light in this world and we should walk in that light on all days even when it seems as though there is no reason to walk in the light but Lord you are there you are there in that light and you are guiding us through that and through all things And you purify us from the doubts and the sins and the disbelief that we have at times. Lord, as Pastor Mike comes forward to give the message that you have put on his heart this morning, we know that it will be coming from you, that it is your words through him. And we are grateful for that and for his being here to share those with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: I'm always uh, glad to be with you, and I'm glad at a different level today because I want to share a couple things with you as I go to <coughs> the scriptures and the, and the talk this morning. Um, the first line of my sermon in a minute is going to be, dates that change everything. There are two families uh, in our congregation that today changes everything. Vicki mentioned in her prayer that uh, Don Pearson, who normally sat up here every Sunday morning and pushed the slides up there, passed away early this morning, and that's heartbreaking, hard for us to accept, and so I will tell you that uh, we're reeling a little bit from that. And five minutes after I received that call at six o'clock this morning, I received a second call um, that's um, equally devastating as well And since you've probably heard in the news That uh, uh, a, a college student uh, died In Iowa City yesterday I, I want to tell you that he was ours And uh, A few years ago Nate Tweet Is his name uh, Sat here in my confirmation class And uh, So his mom, Stacy, and his dad, Rick, are, of course, devastated. They've lost their son this morning. It's why Pastor Keith's not here this morning. We've sent him to be with them. So um, there are days that change everything, aren't there? There are days in our lives that change everything. We have in our mind these dates. December 7th, 1941 kind of changed everything for a lot of you, didn't it? January 28th, 1986. It's a day that changed everything. Maybe you don't remember it specifically, but anybody that's about 40 was sitting in school watching the Challenger go up. It's a day that changed everything. September 11th, 2001. None of us forget that one. When... Others encroached upon us in acts of terror. Those dates changed everything. And so I want to take a moment because you have your own, you know? You have your own. Maybe I didn't list yours. Those all have some indelible marks in your heart. But there are other dates. You know, I have some dates marked in my life of when great things or difficult things happen. So let's take a minute and let's pray. Let's pray for those dates that change everything. Father God, we come this morning and we lift up high because we are a community of faith and we take seriously the notion of community. Those who have been changed by an event. A day that for them changed everything that altered the course of their lives in ways that can't be undone many times those days Lord are heartbreaking many times those days take our wind away and we suffer and for any that are facing that today or have faced that on other days we ask your arms of mercy, grace and love wrap upon them and Lord we also know that you are a God of hope You are a God who fills the glass of our soul whether we see it half empty or half full. And you give us opportunity to to receive that which is changing everything for the positive. That 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 might be seen as marriage day, day child was born, day I received Christ into my lives. And for those days, we pray... And in advance of us feeling the love that you're already giving. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. There are days that change everything. I I remember reading scripture and there was a day when God said let there be light. It changes everything. And there was a God, there was a day when God said, let this, let this sea be changed into dry land. And that changed everything. And there was a day when God said the resurre- the, the plan of salvation needs to be exposed to these people here on earth. And he sent Jesus. And Christmas changes everything. And Easter changes everything. And there is a day within our hearts that we know um, in the church called Pentecost that changes everything for us. You see, you might know that story of that date well. It's the day where the, the, the disciples were, were sitting together. They, they had lost their Jesus to crucifixion, they had witnessed him again in his resurrection. They had been taught by him in the fellowship of the teaching over 50 days or 40 days after his death. He had ascended into the heavenly realms. And they were now without him. So they sat together, and you know the story. As they sat together and devoted themselves to his memory, the Holy Spirit crashes into their lives with mighty sounds and thunder and tongues of fire and lays upon them the ability to speak all the different languages of the world. And they go out into the city of Jerusalem and they speak God's word into people. And yet, there's still always unbelieving in the midst of that. And, and Peter then steps into the unbelief and says, People of Jerusalem, these men are not drunk as it seems to you they might be. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And he preaches the first Christian sermon, which I encourage you to read. It's in Acts chapter 2, the majority of that verse. And at the end of the day, thousands came to know Christ. You see, on that day, there was this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that you and I need, that is the breath and the power for a movement, is the breath and the power for the movement that is known as the church of Jesus Christ, of which you and I am a part of. And there was this push behind it that says this is not a solitary movement. It's a movement of the we, w e. The movement of the we. Now, that movement is described in scriptures under under a word named uh, called Koine. I'm going to put a Greek word up here on the screen. I can't pronounce it to you because I took Hebrew, not Greek, and if it was Hebrew, I couldn't pronounce it at all either. Because all I did was take it past fail, and I passed. <laughs> and you could care less. But this is a root word that <clears throat> has this. It. It becomes an English word in a minute. This, this this word has to do with commonality, which is to say there's a group that's in agreement with each other, where we, we agree about certain things. That th- this word has to do with the fact that, that people are best in partnerships, that, that, that when you have a united purpose... Life is, is better for all. And, and there is, this word has to do with the fact that there's a communion, that, which is to say people are of, need to be of one heart. And that, that word then gets changed from this word into an early English word called koinonia. Now, koinonia is first used, and, and of course, I believe that's a word that in the church we should know. It's, called, it's pronounced koinonia. You can Google it and if, if you struggle with that. But this word first appears in chapter 2 of Acts that I was talking about where it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to koinonia, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to koinonia, to the breaking of bread and the fellowship of prayer. Now, 20 times after that in the New Testament, the word koinonia appears. And when it appears, it means genuine, authentic Christian fellowship, which is, of course, what we pursue as a church. And koinonia represents the idealized state. The idealized state, that's what we shoot for. That's what we aim for. The idealized state of the, of, of the fellowship and unity that should exist in the Christian church, the body of Christ. And so in English, koinonia becomes fellowship. And we use the word fellowship a lot. Now, I want to say that fellowship is greater than the ways we often use it. I remember being a youth minister a long time ago, and I had a kid, real tall kid in my youth group called Todd Moore. And I'll tell you this about Todd. He was one of those students, you've met him. He hated everything about what we were doing. And he was that guy that, you know, he'd get out of his dad's car who was pushing him to youth group and he drag himself up the sidewalk, his head down. They didn't have iPhones yet, so he didn't have earphones on. He drag down. How you doing, Todd? "Uh, uh, uh, uh," You know, that was high school for, I don't want to be here. And we were explaining an event we were going to have. We're going to have a band up here and then we're going to do some big games outside. And then we're going to come inside. And he says, what are we coming inside for? Fellowship. I said, Why are you doing that? He says, because I hate fellowship at the church. I'm like, why do you hate it? And he says, because it's always terrible food and boring conversation. I said, Todd, you're missing the point of fellowship, man. You know, fellowship is more than donut time. It's more than casseroles. It's way greater than all that. Fellowship is to be, it is to be koinonia. It's to be much more. Fellowship is to be the place where the movement of the we, the us, really gets its traction in life when we're together. Now, can we have fellowship at the breakfast this morning? Of course. Can we have fellowship around a Donut? Of course. But our real fellowship is to be the collecting of our hearts and our purpose together as one. Look what it, it says. Well, you're not going to look because I didn't put it on the screen. Listen to what it says here in, in Philippians chapter 2. Paul writes if remember if is always something you have a choice about if you have any encouragement from being united with christ if any comfort from his love if any fellowship with the spirit if any tenderness and compassion then all those ifs to get to this then then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love And being in one spirit and purpose. Now, what does that mean? Being like-minded means we have deep and rich agreement with each other. We won't be of the same mind. Don't don't get me wrong. I know we could make a joke this morning about the fact that we're like-minded in some ways, but our minds are not alike. Some of you people like panthers and Hawkeyes and Cyclones, right? But not all of you like the same of those, right? Some of you people love sushi. I do, too, as long as it hits the grill on the way to it, to me. (laughs) You know, so, you know, our minds are not alike. Our minds are not alike, but we're like-minded. Which means we have this deep and rich agreement about what our purpose is and what our center is. And when Paul tells us to have the same love, what what he's speaking about, even though we have many loves in our lives, there is this same love that unifies our purpose. And when Paul says being in one spirit, he reminds us that we are be, to be fueled by the Holy Spirit. So this, in the balance of my, my time this morning, I want to share with you the, the, the fellowship that Marian Methodist pursues and that your leaders are encouraging you to run after. Three things. We are like minded because we agree our fellowship is grounded in the testimony of God's Word. Now don't miss that baseline. We are like minded because we agree that our fellowship has one foundation, and that is the testimony of God's Word. In today's scripture, John chapter 1, I, I want to remind you that this is not a fable, this is not an idle tale. You know, I had a conversation as recently as yesterday with someone who said, well, you believe in, the, you believe in God. Isn't that just a bunch of stories, guys made up to, to, to kind of make you feel better about each other? Well, a lot of people feel that way, but this is not an idle tale, especially if you've received Jesus Christ as your, as your Savior. This is that upon which we base our lives. This is how our scripture started. Vicki read a few moments ago. That which was from the beginning. Okay, this is an eternal story. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, and we have seen it, and we testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have this fellowship. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy collectively complete. The word we is in that scripture four verses ten times doesn't sound like a solo testimony to me. The we is referring to the great cloud of witnesses, the 500 or so more Christians that saw the living Lord after the resurrection or during the resurrection appearances that lasted 40 days. This is not an idle tale. They're saying we saw this with our own eyes. And you know what? They, like us, said, I'll believe it when I see it. And they saw it. And they didn't just turn a story that they'd heard from a friend of a friend or or from fable or legend. They told the story that they'd heard with their own ears. And not only that, they touched the resurrected Jesus. Why all this? So that you might be part of the eternal we, the collective that is to be the church. And we are in fellowship with the Trinitarian God that has expresses himself to us in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let's importantly caution ourselves here. Christians must agree. We must agree to this fellowship that's based on the Word of God. You must agree to the fellowship that's grounded in the testimony of the world of the Word of God. Because some churches you see, and I've heard Keith on, on, on a video recently when he was preaching here make this same case some churches have chosen other things to ground themselves upon and a lot of times they're good things some churches base themselves on feeding the hungry what a wonderful thing to eradicate hunger from the world. What, what a wonderful thing to throw yourself at completely taking hunger away from the world. Some churches base themselves completely and fully on, on loving each other. And, and, and say let's spend all of our time simply being in community. Being with each other. What a wonderful thing to have life friends. To build lives with and all that sort of thing. Some churches... Spend all of their time or focus themselves on combating injustice. Again, a very good thing, and I will tell you this, that a good, solid church that's founded in Jesus Christ will do all those things and much more. All those things and much more. Those things aren't simply enough. They're all good, but they're human. They're culture-based, they're experience-based. And minor disagreements about procedures or process or about what the most important issue of the day... They'll go away because these are all about the transient needs of people. But there's an eternal need of people, you see. The testimony of God's word is not transient. It doesn't come and go. That's why it's withstood all these tests of times it's been put up against. It prevails over every human issue. It will tell you to love one another. It will tell you to eradicate hunger. It will tell you to combat injustice and so many other things. So if we focus ourselves on that, And we agree to that. We will be the koinonia, the church, the fellowship that God intends for us. 1 John 5 says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So understand who God is. Light always defeats darkness. There's no darkness in him. If, again, we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But... If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us all from sin. So grounding our fellowship on God's word, let's not miss this, takes the limits away. It takes the limits away from our humanity and puts everything about the church under the authority of God. Everything that we're going to be and do and say and all those kind of things is put under the authority of God. So this is that reminder moment (coughs) that pastors need to have with their congregations, is that the point and purpose of all this is to have an inner relationship with Jesus Christ. And the church believes, you see, this is one of the teachings of the church, is that we are all bound together by the invisible God that makes us one. So therefore, to be bound together like that, we need to be in Him. So I simply ask this by way of reminder. If Christ is at the core of the fellowship, He must be at the core of you. If he's at the core of we, he must be at the core of you. So I remind you and invite you again to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to receive the Holy Spirit that, that changes lives as it did at the day of Pentecost, to believe that your darkness, no matter what it be, that your darkness, the darkness of your feeble nature, can and has been replaced by his way of life. And then you're to become the purified one that you are created to be. To become the one that God made you since before time was. To become part of this fellowship and the collective eternal we. Secondly, our fellowship is to be united in purpose. I am horrible at those newsprint meetings. You ever been to a lot of those newsprint meetings? You know where they put newsprint up on the wall and you say, let's all dream our ideas. Let's put our purpose together. Let's write down. I have tried for the most part, not to have those since in the 14 years that I've been the pastor here. I've tried very desperately not to have those because I've been to so many of them. And some of, some of you have those at work, don't you? You put all your ideas up at newsprint and then you say, let's take all this down and put it together and three months later, somebody says, what were all those ideas at the newsprint and where's the newsprint? And everybody says, I don't know and we don't know. We've had a few of those because you have to sometimes get together and put your purpose together. But the purpose of the church, don't miss this, is to hold up God for the world to see all his splendor and glory. To hold God up, to hold him in high esteem, to show him to the world. In Ephesians 3.10, it says, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities of the heavenly realms, realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus the Lord. And no individual working alone can do this not one. I want to tell you a story. I'm going to call it the case of Nikki. Nikki was a young woman, all-American athlete that I knew when I was a chaplain at Simpson College. She lived in a house that had some other name, but on campus we simply called it the party house because not much good went on in there. And Nikki was one of those kids that And I I apologize for this Because you have this too And we need to repent of this But if I were to go into your life And say could you write down the names Of five people you know That in your mind will never Come to church with you As a college chaplain I'm sad to say that one of the names That would have been on my list Of people that would never Come to campus worship was Nikki's Holy Spirit proved me wrong but here's how. There was a girl named Jody who lived on the other side of the party house. And every day she walked by that. And every day when the weather was good, Nikki liked to sit and read and study outside. She's an all-American athlete, but she's also a good student. And when Jodi would come by every day for all of her sophomore year and most of her junior year, she'd say, Nikki, would you love to come to Scripture and supper with me? Or would you love to come to campus worship with me? And every day, every time that invitation came, Nikki was cordial at best, but always polite and said thank you. Now, beside Jody, in a little collection of girls, there was a woman named Kayla. And Kayla had the same course of study that Nikki had. So she would position herself to sit next to Nikki or behind Nikki or close to Nikki. And she would work those times when you're waiting for the professor to show. To try to bring her testimony of what God had done to her and done in her life to Nikki. And I heard many of the times about how Kayla worked questions just to turn things so she could testify to Nikki. And beside Jody and Nick and and Kayla, there was this girl named Marcy who had come to Christ a year previously in my class in college, but she lived in the party house too. And she would listen to Nikki. And listen to her live and speak deeply into it. She was that one, and those of us that have been in situations like that, she was the one that had those gentle, late-night, wisdom-filled conversations with Nikki. And so, after these three women, girls, women, however you want to call them, conspired to win Nikki for Christ, not alone, but together, I got up to preach one day and I remember looking into the second row and I said, oh my gosh, Nikki is that campus worship. I hope I did not say it loud and into the microphone because I truly was astonished. And Nikki came for that week and the next week and the next week and the next week and you could see something was changing about Nikki. And then before worship one day, I could see that Marcy was sitting beside her crying After that service, Nikki came up to me, threw herself down on the slate steps of Smith Chapel and Simpson College and said, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. How do I do it? I said to Marcy later, I said, what were you crying about? Because that was like one of my best days ever. She says, check this out. After working her for a year and a half, Nikki asked us, why? Why? Why have you guys been so persistent? Why have you been so annoying? Why have you not let me up on this? And I said to her, so you can know the joy we know in Jesus. Then I started crying, you know. And Nikki today is part of a local church in Sioux City and very active, so praise the Lord. But that didn't happen alone. The movement of we is always a fellowship that has a purpose. It it is always a place we go. It, It is united in purpose, just like an orchestra is united in purpose, just like our bodies are united in one purpose. The church practices fellowship when all play their part to fulfill the purpose that God gives the church. So our fellowship, lastly, is fueled by God's Holy Spirit. I hate the clock on the back wall of your sanctuary. I can go fast if you can listen fast. The times, whatever they are, have always been the times. The times whatever they are, whether we think the world's going to heck in a handbasket or not, but God's Word and His purpose need to persist in our renewal in the times. You see, the Holy Spirit is always breathing on us, and it's breathing into the times. You remember this story, one of my favorite stories in the Scripture, in Ezekiel 37. There is Ezekiel the prophet standing next to God looking out at a big valley and it's a desert valley and it's covered with dead bodies and bones and it says in the scriptures it was covered with dry bones and they were very dry which means they were very dead they were all disassembled and all that sort of thing and the son of God comes to the man and says son of man do you believe that these dry bones can live And the Son of Man looked out of the desert and said, in his mind, I'm sure, it doesn't look like it. It looks like they're all disjointed and taken apart. But he says, O Lord, thou knowest. O Lord, thou knowest. And so the Spirit says to the man, speak to them. And they will come to life. And he began to preach. And pretty soon bones started clicking together. And sinews were formed around them. And pretty soon bodies were formed around those bones. And the strong army of Israel stood in front of him. Because the Spirit renewed them. And he says, I will put my spirit into my people. The spirit blows where it wills. And we know not why it goes where it goes. But we know that the Lord does. I tell you this so I can tell you this. It doesn't matter what the times are. It doesn't matter how dry your heart is. It doesn't matter even if you think the church has lost its way. God is renewing us even now. He is blowing his Holy Spirit upon us. And we might say, oh God, it appears to us. That all things are lost. And we might say to him, is that true? And he says, what do you think? And our response must be, oh Lord, thou knowest, but speak to the times. And the fellowship of the we will come alive. Genuine Christian fellowship, I gotta go, I know it, I gotta go. genuine Christian fellowship means we need to be groups we need to be together we need to be grounded in God's word we need to be united in God's eternal purpose we have to be renewed by the Holy Spirit every single day so as we go to do that as we pursue that let us pray oh God on this day we ask your consecration of our intentions Our intention, Lord, and we apologize not for them, is to make you known in the world in which we live. To spend our entire attention upon your mission and to receive your spirit for building up Christian fellowship. This is our prayer. Nothing more, nothing less. In your name, amen.